0: Be seated. Good morning. So good to be with you this morning. And man, that's one of my favorite songs. I love that song. And some of the favorite words there is that I don't ever want to abuse your grace. And um, we're going to be talking really about how to receive that here this morning. But to get started, I I just want to ask you a question. You know, do you, um, have you ever seen those memes that is, says, you just had one job to do. Anybody? Right. But right. Maybe you've seen this one. Uh, it's the crossing lines. Yeah. You had just one job to do, right? Yes. Yeah. Or maybe there's this one. You, you see what it is? I think it's fire, but I, I don't know. Or then there's this one. I don't know if this is true. You think maybe, McD- I don't know. Or there's this one. Can you read it? What's it say? yeah yeah, or then there's this one, yeah, got a little wrong there, or there's this one you you had one job to do, you ever,, see, yeah, I know, man, where do I drive, right? Or of course, there's this one. Yeah, I think I'll wait till I get home. But then there's this one. Hey, look at that. they nailed it, right <laughs> You just had one job to do. Maybe, maybe as uh, maybe you are uh, you, maybe your parents and you, you know, you you give your kids a job. Maybe you just had one job to do, right? Or, you know, or maybe maybe you've been in those situations, like what went wrong? You just had one job to do. Well, you know, we've been in this series here on John the Baptist uh, the Wilderness Guide, and uh, we've been looking at his call and really the life of John the Baptist. And as we come to this next passage of Scripture on the life of John, um, we now see him take on and carry out, well, the one job he was called to do, the purpose that God had for him. And what we'll see is, yeah, he, he kind of nailed it. The, the first week, though, I want to just kind of look back a little bit, just remind you where we've been the first week in this series, we, we looked at the prophecy of him there in Isaiah, that he would be the one who is the voice in the wilderness, and he would prepare the way of the Lord. That way back many years ago, before this time, right, he was prophesying. There were truths, really, that we, we could take out of that, that Pastor Brent had, had shared with us, that we apply to our lives as we look to following God's purpose in our lives. And last week... Uh, as we celebrated Mother's Day, we looked at the foretelling and eventual birth of John the Baptist uh, to his parents, Zechariah and Malachi, and Elizabeth. Um, uh, there were truths there for parenting that we could apply as, as parents and things that we could grab a hold of. You know what's interesting though now as we continue on in looking at uh, uh, John the Baptist is that following his birth... Uh, we don't, hear, we don't hear much about him. Uh, anything, you don't hear anything about his childhood. We, we don't hear about him growing up, his, his teenage years, or, or whether he had any kind of training. But the next thing that is recorded about John is the carrying out of this call that we've been discovering, we've been looking at it through the prophecy and then ultimately his birth. And, and, and here he comes. He comes into the wilderness and he's proclaiming. And so we see the purpose that God had called him to be, a voice of one a calling in the wilderness. We see God here, he calls John the Baptist and he steps into it. He begins to carry out the one thing that he was called to do, the purpose, and he sets out to do it. So let's dig into our passage uh, from the Bible that we're looking at today. And it's in Matthew chapter 3. I invite you to open up your copy of the Word of God to, to Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13. And I invite... Uh, now, just as a reminder, as we've already seen in previous weeks, in, in the prophecy from Isaiah, in the foretelling of, uh, of, of his birth, John's one purpose was to prepare the people of that day for Jesus' coming. And in this passage, in Matthew, we see how he did it, how he carried out his one job, his one purpose. So follow along as I read. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, it's important to understand it's been about 30 years uh, or so in Matthew's timeline of events uh, between chapters here. When he's writing um, chapters 1 and 2, he writes about the birth of Jesus, his escape into Egypt, and then his return to uh, Nazareth. And now in chapter 3, he immediately jumps 30 years to talking about this guy named John. John the Baptist. And now, you know, for clarification purposes, John is not a Baptist like uh, we, uh, you know, uh, people who attend Baptist churches, all right? Uh, He was actually, a better way to say it would be this. He was John the Baptizer because, all right, he baptized so many people at that time, he came to know he was, he was calling people to repentance, and as a result, people responded, and he would baptize them as a sign of that commitment. Now, as we know from last week, John was a cousin of Jesus, but he doesn't seem to have spent really too much time, they didn't spent, spent too much time together in childhood, and as they would have lived probably a 100 miles away apart. Yet John, here's the thing, as he enters in and he starts carrying out his one purpose, John is very familiar with who Jesus really was. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah and he set out to carry out his purpose to prepare the way for Jesus's coming, the coming Messiah. Now the first observation I want you to see out of this, as we work our way through this, this passage, is that he carries out his one purpose by, first, preaching about the coming of Jesus. John came preaching a message of repentance in the wilderness, in a region believed just to be north of the Dead Sea. And here's the thing that we see, is that preaching has been an integral part of telling the world about Jesus. The reason we get up here every Sunday it really leads back to this time is that it, we're about telling the world about Jesus. And we see John carrying that out. Now his message, his message had two parts. I like three when I preach, right? But his message has two parts. First, it was a message to, re- to repent. John was calling all people to repentance of sin and we'll dig in that, into that just a, a little bit more in, in just a moment. But second, he was pointing people to the coming Messiah who was Jesus. And here's the thing I think you, you need to understand this is, wasn't just a, a nice, hey, Jesus is coming kind of message, but rather it was a message of warning. He was warning the people that they needed to prepare. They needed to get their lives right. They needed to prepare for the coming of the promised Lord. And they need to do that by repenting of their sins. This is the same message that uh, later in chapter 4 that Jesus proclaimed when he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And it's also what he calls the disciples to proclaim later in chapter 10 when he sends them out. You go out and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near they need to repent and so really what we come to understand right away is that matthew's implying to the to to the jewish listener that's that he was writing to is that they should not be surprised by these events this should not catch you off guard john's coming and, and jesus is coming uh, uh you should, be, you should know, you should have been looking for this because it had been prophesied about hundreds of years before. And so John and Jesus' coming are both, they're both the fulfilling of what had been told so many years ago. And so he wanted to say, hey, listen, don't be surprised. We should have we we been looking for this day. So now let's dig into this message of repentance. Let's continue to read on in in Matthew chapter 3, and and now we're going to look at verse 4 through 10. He goes on to write, Matthew says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan, confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when, here this being John now, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, kind of harsh, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And he says this, he gives this warning. The ax is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so now the second observation I, I, I would like, I want you to see is that as he carries out his one purpose, he does it by calling people to true repentance. The book of Matthew, in fact, and Mark, if you you understand the Gospels, you'll see different things. And John's talked about in all the Gospels, he's referred to. But the books of Matthew and Mark both mention his dress. Uh, of camel's hair, and that he had this leather belt. And I thought about maybe maybe I should dress like that this morning. I don't know. But, but he was dressed like that, and, and, and he would, and also noted that the food that he would eat was, was locusts and, and wild honey. And immediately, you know, the question, I begin to ask the question, and the question would have been, why? Why? Uh, why is this? You know why did why did he dress this way? But then, then also, why is it mentioned? And and why would people go listen to a guy, a man dressed in this way, preaching in a wilderness, wilderness place? And I think I think what is important to understand is that they were they were writing to Jewish listeners who studied the Bible and the Old Testament. And they would have known the prophecies of Elijah who was coming to proclaim this message to make straight the paths for him. And, you know, I appreciate what Warren Wiersbe, he's a Bible teacher that has been a big influential person in my life and in the study of Scripture. And he shares this thought. He goes, in a spiritual sense, John was Elijah who was to come. For he came in spirit and power, but he said this, he even dressed as Elijah did. And preached the same message of judgment that Elijah did. And John John here, he, he is the last of the Old Testament prophets. And he, here, he's, he is the greatest one. Because he's preparing now the way for Jesus' coming. So, here's the thing. The Jewish people, they, they came out into the wilderness to see this widely dressed Man, Because in their heart, they're wondering, could this be him? We understand the prophecies. Is this the prophet who would prepare the way for the comings? Is it him? And you can see, you can begin to understand, yeah, they're, they're, they're questioning. But here's the thing. But what happens, all right, as they come out into the wilderness... In curiosity, they heard a message. They heard a message of repentance. And God worked in their heart, resulting in them, as it says in verse 6, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And I think there's some truths that begin to come out as we look look here at this whole aspect of repentance and what is real repentance and what ultimately John was calling the people to in, in Israel, but then what Jesus calls all his disciples to, and really what we need to be calling everyone to, is that real repentance is this, being willing to hear from God. This is where it starts. It starts with a searching for answers. And maybe you've walked into this place today and, and maybe you're asking for some questions and and maybe you're, you're seeking and searching. And, and, and here, I tell you, that's good. That's good. Because that's where it all starts. It starts with wanting God to speak into your life. Wanting to see the creator God of this universe give answers. You know, as, as a follower of Jesus Christ for some 50-some years now... One of the things that I always come back to is this God, I never want to stop listening to you. I never want to stop hearing your voice. Speak to me through your your word, Lord. Speak to me by your spirit. Speak to me through godly people, God. Speak to me as I seek you in prayer. I never want to stop. And I, I tell you, if, if you are a believer here this morning, man, I, I, this is where, and maybe you've gotten off track. Well, well this, is where, maybe, maybe this is where you've got to come back to and say, so, you know, God, I need to get back to hearing you speak into my heart. There's a second thing, though, I think that's part of real repentance, and it's obvious, confessing of sins, confessing of sins. It's that getting right with God. And boy, I tell you, sometimes I need that every day, right? Every day. The reason we gather here weekly is for us to worship together, to enter into and um, into lifting up the name of our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. But also it, it is so vital to getting right with God. He calls us to meet together regularly. We're, we're taught within Scripture that we should not forsake the gathering together. And, and there's, a, there's a reason and a purpose towards that. And that is that is driven out of this aspect of being right with God in an ongoing way and walking with Him continually, that He might speak to us through what is preached here in this place, that he might speak to us through his word. He might, they're, they're together in community. We would see God speak into our, our heart and life. So, you know, it, it's important to understand that this word repent, the word repent means to change one's mind and act on that change. See, he, here, here, John, he, he, he's not satisfied with regret or remorse. Uh, he wanted them, as it says there in the passage, to produce fruit within keeping with repentance. There, there has, there, he's saying there's got to be evidence of a, of a changed mind and a, and a changed life. And here's, here's the truth about repentance, this whole aspect of being willing to hear from God but then confessing your sins. But then that needs to lead, that needs to lead to uh, uh, that aspect of, of, of what God is doing in your heart and life. And here's the truth, you, here's the truth. You can't, you, you can reju- regret, you can regret what you've done is wrong because maybe you got caught Right, right. You know, rats. I got pulled over for speeding. You know, I, I remember one time years ago. Well, it was not so long ago. But um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming down this hill up there in Petoskey, and I'm cruising, and, and I'm testing out this car I got for my son. And well, I got going a little fast, and needless to say, all of a sudden there's this sheriff coming right at me. And uh, on the back roads. And, and so, uh, you know, uh, you know oh, I was like, oh, I regret it, right? You know, he pulls me over. You know, I, in fact, I even pulled over his side to the side of the lane and uh, waited for him to come around because I knew he was coming after me. You know, I was like, rats. And the guy goes, the guy comes up and he's just giving me a hard time. You know how fast you're going? Yes, yes, I know. I just, it was downhill. You ever use that excuse? <laughs> I was going downhill. He goes, yeah, but you you were cresting the hill at 70 miles an hour. And it was 55. He yeah, goes, yeah, yeah, I suppose I was. And, goes, and he goes, and he asked this. He goes, he goes, yeah. he goes, so, have you ever been pulled over for speeding before? And I says, well, yes, I have. It was about a year ago. And officer such and such, because uh, I knew the state cops up there. Our sons play basketball together. <laughs> so I said, officer such and such. Yeah, he pulled me over. You probably find it in your records. It's like, you know, you know, there's that aspect of regret, but do I slow down, right? You know, do I change, change, my, change my ways? You know, that, that, that becomes part of this. And here's the thing, true repentance, okay? You, you can regret what you did wrong. You can even apologize for what you did. But um, if you don't want to change your heart, want to live the way, Uh, of Christ, the Jesus way, you you haven't truly repented, right? You haven't repented because see, real repentance is a changed life. It's a changed life. It's having a heart for God where you want to change your way of living and pursue his holiness in your life. We, we were talking with that with youth this morning in our, our breakfast club. Ultimately, this as we look at Word of God, let the Word of God be their guide. Because part of part of taking biblical principles is is letting them speak into our life. So we want so we can be we can pursue that aspect of the Jesus way in our in our in our life. And that's you know as John continues on here in this passage, that's what he's he's confronting. Uh, and that's why John, he confronts these spiritual leaders who were coming out into the wilderness to watch what was happening. You know, in one sense, those Sadducees and those Pharisees that he calls a brood of vipers, right? In one sense, they were just coming for the show. It was a good show. Let's see people getting baptized. Ooh, man, they're telling their life story. They're confessing their sin. Let's, let's get, let's just go see the, and, and, and they, were, they were just there for the show and, and not to hear the message the message of repentance, or even consider that maybe they needed to repent. John gets to the heart of, uh, of what this kind of repentance he's talking about is when he addresses these, these Pharisees and these Sadducees that were the religious leaders of that day. See, when he calls them brood of vipers, now, I don't recommend calling people brood of vipers, <laughs> but um, he calls he he calls them right out. In fact, Jesus he called them a brood of vipers too. They were spiritual leaders, but basically, he's saying you are children of the snake. Satan is what he's saying. He's, he's hitting them hard. He goes, these spiritual leaders, they should have been pointing people to be looking for the coming Messiah. They had a great responsibility. They had a great opportunity. The Pharisees, but instead, you know, the Pharisees were they were legal literalists, man. They were making up rules and laws, whatever they control people. Uh, the the Sadducees, they were liberals, all right, who denied much of the Old Testament. They they only wanted to follow the Pentateuch. Again, there's a there's almost like a legalism that's part of part of that also, all right. And see, in reality, he he's confronting them. He's confronting them, saying, "Hey, you are enemies." of the truth, your enemies, ultimately of Christ, who I'm preparing the way for. And so he calls them out. And he tells them to produce fruit within keeping with repentance. And the whole idea, you know, you begin to ask this question, well, what is this fruit then? What is this fruit of repentance? What is that? Obviously, we've talked about repentance and uh, you know the, that aspect of you know being willing to hear from god confessing your sins but then pursuing a changed life but there's practical things and in fact if you look at the parallel passage over in luke luke chapter 3 you'll see there that the luke records it he records that that question was asked and so let me just let me read it for you it's in luke chapter 3 verse 10 through 14 it says what should we do then someone asks what should we do then and so John, he gives, uh, he gives some practical answers. He answered, he goes, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than what you are required, he told them. Then some soldiers, thinking about this, then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't excuse money people falsely be content with your pain to sum it up to sum it up it was the he calls them to pursuing the way of God and and what what I would what I would say is the is the way of Christ to be generous to be honest in your dealings to don't abuse your your power it's it's that aspect of living uh, to live out loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then also to love your neighbor as yourself. That, that great commandment, uh, great commandment that Jesus uh, shared with us as he walked on this, this earth. He goes on, though, to challenge them in what they were putting their faith in. And this is a good challenge, I think, for us today. What are you, what are you putting your faith in for eternity? See, they were putting their faith, faith in who they were. He says, don't presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. And what he's, what he's implying here is that just because you're Jewish, because they were God's chosen people, don't assume, don't assume that you're right with God. Don't assume that you have eternity. And we need, we need to understand this today also. Just because we go to church. Just because we've grown up in the church. Hey, I'm a pastor's kid. That ought give me rights, right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, you know, just because of those things doesn't mean that we're truly followers of Jesus Christ. John says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And I would say it, say it this way. It's... Evidence of genuine faith is seen in one continuing to pursue and live out one's relationship with Jesus Christ. See, this is not, a, this is not about works-based salvation. I don't do good so that I can be saved. No, rather, I, w- I want to look at what's going on in my heart. I want to look at what's going in my life. I want to ask the question, okay, where are, my, where are my attitudes? Where are my actions? are are man are they reflective of, of 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 one who's been transformed by Jesus Christ if not then i got to step back not that i'm living perfect not that i but am, am i in pursuit of that am i i'm taking steps forward and maybe i get a couple steps back but i keep pursuing that and i i'm embracing this aspect of of, of, of wanting to hear from God regularly in my life, wanting to uh, confess my sins regularly and look to be right, wanting to continue growth and maturity and, and change. It becomes that, man, I'm, I'm, there's something, there's that aspect of, of, the, of the, the Holy Spirit. Just, it keeps drawing me and becomes that evidence, that evidence, and then he adds this warning here in verse 10. John says in verse 10, the ax is already at the roots of the tree. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. Basically, he says, don't assume. There's a day of judgment coming. There's a day of judgment. And so it's important to understand. Now, lastly, there's a last observation I want you to see. I'll just kind of quickly wrap up with this. But he did, he um, he carries out his one purpose by pointing people to the work of Jesus. In other words, pointing people to Jesus. Look at verse 11. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful. Than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus, and then then we see Jesus arrives on the scene. Now next week you need to be back here. All right. And you need to be back here and bring someone with you because Pastor Brent, he's going to talk about this whole aspect of this baptism that John did and the baptism we now are a part of and we participate in uh, uh, that Jesus modeled for us. But there are, let me just pour out quickly four things here about how he pointed people to Jesus. And the first is this: Jesus. He pointed to people to the fact that Jesus is more powerful than he. Um, John. There was something incredible about John, but John says, "Hey, Jesus is more powerful than me." And and and, and getting to understand Jesus is God, God's very Son. So important understand the greatness of who Jesus is secondly he says he, he says he says that I'm not worthy to remove his sandals you understand feet were a disgraceful thing to Jewish people and it was kind of a lowly position was to wash the the feet of people who would come into your home it was a practice but he goes i'm not even I'm not even worthy to touch his feet he's, he's lifting up Jesus Jesus is in. Jesus is all there is. He's the one. Secondly, or thirdly, he says Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was with water for the confession of sin. And we'll talk about that more next week. But we have access to the Holy Spirit now. And we are, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are baptized. In other words, the, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us and helps us to live out this Jesus way in our life. But then he also says that Jesus will baptize with fire. And here's the thing. Again, he's he's pointing to the future. Because there's a future day, a judgment to come when Jesus returns to earth. And he will will bring judgment. He will bring judgment. And here's the truth I guess I, I would leave you with. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ... God's one purpose for you is the same as John the Baptist. Point others to Jesus by telling of our need to repent and follow Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And as they come, I want to just leave you with these three action steps. These are three action steps I want to leave you with that I want to challenge you to say, okay, well, how can I act on this this week? Number one. Take an action step, and it's in your life. Pursue the fruit of repentance in your own life. That involves regularly, I, every day, asking God, is there something I need to hear from you? Confessing your sins, embracing confession as part of your walk with him, and then looking to change. Every day, I need to be walking seeking after him. And so in your life, pursue the fruit of repentance. Secondly, though, in the church, God's called us together as a community of of believers, of followers of him. And and, and, and as we meet in this place, that we would unite together and we need to help each other, help the church to be focused on its one job. Uh, First of all, growing as disciples, but also making disciples See, here's the thing. We are not just in the human betterment business. That's not what we're just about. We're in the gospel investment ministry. And we're about seeing people come and repent of their sins and find the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And that leads to the third thing I would say as an action step. And that's in our world. Tell others In your world about Jesus, you know I offer different classes at times, and maybe I'll offer another one this this summer on how to share Jesus without fear. What, what if, if there's you need help, man? We want to come alongside you, but we need to be pointing people. Who is someone God's got in your life that you need to tell Jesus about this week? Oh, they desperately need to be set free from the bondage in their life. Would you pray with me? I want to say to the through the person here today that's a, not a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've stepped into this room and you are seeking. You've yet to come to that place where you've admitted that you're a sinner, believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and you've confessed him now as your Lord and Savior. You've never crossed that, into that real eternal relationship with him. I want to say to you, I invite you to repent. Repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus Christ and follow the Jesus way. And you may ask why. Well, he's going to come one day again. But it won't be to provide a way of salvation. It will be to bring judgment to all who have rejected him and to bring eternity in heaven to all who have placed faith in him. And I urge you, Repent and believe. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your truth. Let it transform us, I pray. We love you, God. Help us to walk in it, I ask, Lord. Walk in this life of of fruit of repentance, I pray. I ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Stand with us as we sing.